0: I am the father. And here we go. That belongs in a museum. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We're gonna need a bigger boat. This is Sparta! Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sutler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome back to Easily Entertained on this our 39th episode, our 1 year anniversary of the podcast. Woo! Woo, come down here. Woo! It's wonderful. And you may be thinking 39, that's not that's not right if you're doing a weekly podcast, you would have had 52 episodes and you would be right because we've definitely missed some. We've missed 13 weeks. Some intentional, some very much not. So, oops. But yeah, we've hit one year, and I think that's crazy. Thank you so much for listening, if you've been from the beginning, or if you're semi-new, whatever. If you're a listener, you're awesome. But yeah, it's kind of exciting. We've gone through big changes. We initially started off as just audio for the first couple episodes. We Switched to a video format in my old apartment, just in my bedroom, and now we are co-hosted and have kind of like an actual podcast studio in my apartment now. It's fantastic. It's so it's so sick, actually. Uh, later this week, I'm going to be having a video over on my main YouTube channel. Uh, you can just search it up, Bryson Olson. That you will find it because I'm the only one, as long as you spell Olson, right? O-L-E-S-O-N. But I'm going to be doing a video on what it's been like hosting a podcast for a year, how to get into it, what are some challenges I faced. But yeah, so go check that out. It'll be out later this week. Yeah. And so today we are talking Jurassic Park, The Lost World. And you may be thinking this is kind of an older movie. Yes, you would be correct. You would be correct. It hasn't come out recently, and lately that's been our trend is is reviewing a bit more recent things. But I figured since Cormac wasn't here and and it's our one-year anniversary, I thought might as well do the sequel to what got it all started. And so, without further ado, The Lost World. (laughs) Sight. B. So, the main story of Jurassic Park t- takes place on Isla Nublar. That is the main of this chain of islands called uh, Isla de Muertos. So, it's the five... No. Los Cinco Muertos, I think is what they're called. The five deaths. Yeah, that is right. <laughs> the five deaths. So, that's this chain of islands uh, because kind of bad things happen. And typically in the books, I believe all the islands are like owned by InGen or other companies that just do dinosaurs. And so in Jurassic Park, that's where they are. They're the dinosaur islands, basically, and they're full of chaos. Because as you know from the first Jurassic Park, don't mess with nature because things go crazy. And so in the second movie and book, they kind of delve into it a little bit more. They go to site B where the animals are Bread. In the first movie, they talk about how they created this genetic defect to cause them not to breed in the wild. And then in this movie, they retcon it. And I believe it's a part of the Lost World book. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't read this thing all the way through yet. Uh, In fact, I've barely gotten through the first couple of chapters. So, yeah. So, I do really need to get into it and actually compare everything. But from what I've heard, a lot of the Lost World movie is kind of similar to the book and similar to the first book as well. There are kind of a bunch of mixed scenes. Basically, the first scene in the Lost World is of a family going to Site B And, you know, they're on their little cruise and they're not supposed to be out here, but they are. And then their little girl, she goes off running and she gets attacked by a group of compies, uh, which are Comsignathus. They're these little small dinosaurs that in the movies, they're shown to be very uh, mob-like, kind of like hyenas. They kind of swarm their prey. And so she gets attacked. And that's basically the opening scene of the first book. And so it's kind of interesting that they use that in this one. And I understand. I think it makes more sense for this movie, given the context of everything that's happening, why they did it that way. And so I find it interesting. And Site B gives us a little bit of a new adventure to kind of go on. In the first one, the animals are all breaking out. They were all meant to be in cages, and now they're all kind of running loose and finding the established pecking order in their ecosystem. And in this one, Site B, Movie B, (laughs) um, they are focusing very much on a living environment of dinosaurs. Everything is established. So you have actual ecosystems. Predators have territories that they protect and they don't really venture outside of too much. And that's kind of discovered even more in the third movie, just Jurassic Park 3, which we'll eventually get to as well. And so it's a different environment and that makes it more interesting. And Well, not necessarily more interesting. It makes it interesting in a different way. It allows you to tell a different kind of story. The first one is very much like a prison break kind of thing. You're trying to escape. Everyone is trying to escape in this one, but it's like they're on a safari. The animals are meant to be there. And the humans are the ones that are not. And so having that kind of parallel of the first movie that's like sort of an opposite allows for a new kind of story. You now feel like humans are invading and they portray it in a light where they're like, these are supposed to be natural creatures. You just got to let them roam around uh, and in the entire franchise it's very much talking about ecosystems and playing god and what happens if humans meddle a bit too much in nature and so having a setting where the dinosaurs seem fairly natural in their habitat is interesting because it can really play with that theme because you can now tie it more into the real world. You can have more of the conservation kind of discussion while referencing Jurassic Park because it's a realistic type setting. It's not just, oh, these are animals bred for show. It is all fake. No, in this, they're meant to be living in ways that they would have been living during their times. And so having that kind of different setting allows for that kind of conversation, which is interesting. And I feel like the main character, Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm is a good way to take us through that world. Cause he is very much from the first movie and kind of onwards. He's very against the dinosaurs. He's very against this idea of playing God. And so kind of with following Jeff Goldblum, Cause I'm just gonna call him that. I'm not really gonna call him Ian Malcolm. <laughs> Cause it's just it's just Jeff Goldblum. He's the same character. Um, but following his character, he is the essence of the theme. He is very much pushing we need to leave these animals. To be honest, they should be exterminated. So he's kind of like like a very vast extreme. And so, like, Now that the dinosaurs are here, in several of the movies they talk about, oh, well, we should now just leave them to their own devices and give them the islands and just kind of let them do what it is. Ian Malcolm is way more in the mindset of before everything happened. He thinks that they need to be removed. We went too far and now... The ecosystem is screwed up because there are dinosaurs here and we need to get rid of all of them. And so it's a very vast extreme. But as you're kind of going through the film, he is that, I'm trying to think of the word, he's he's the carrier of that idea, is we need to leave nature alone. We have to focus on preservation and not really do things for the sake of money. Not for a from not from a business standpoint, which I think is good, because in the first one he has that mindset, but he, it's not expanded on very much. Especially because in the first one, for about probably a third on the movie, he's kind of incapacitated because after the T Rex breaks out, he breaks his leg and he's kind of just sitting around. He can't really provide a lot of action anymore, and so that causes things to. Be a little skewed. And so, giving his character more to do in this one and say, okay, you are now the vessel for this theme. That was probably the word I was thinking of from the beginning. You can have a perspective in the movie following his character. And so, that I find really interesting because he's very outspoken. And Having a character like that kind of almost puts you in that mindset. Because although I am a big fan of visual storytelling, connecting with humans, especially with how they talk and things like that, that's how we feel more emotion. It's based on what other people are feeling. And it is good to show how they're feeling as well. But in something like this where it's almost an intellectual kind of conversation it is important to have a character that is that intellectual type of character. He voices his opinions. He tells you why this is bad, why dinosaurs are screwing up the ecosystem and why humans are the cause of it. And they need to let Mother Nature take over again and, you know, kind of wipe things out. Like he says in like the Jurassic World movies, he's like, they should... Just be taken out by the volcano that's about to explode. So it's sad, but we messed with nature and it is course correcting. And so having that kind of character is interesting, especially in a world. And this is, of course, like almost 30 years after the initial movie. In this world that we're living in, it's a conversation that's very apparent. We talk. A lot about conservation, protecting nature, and like that kind of subject matter a lot in this day and age because it is true humans have kind of ruined a lot of it. And some people say that's kind of like an extreme to say, but it's not really. There is a vast global climate change and we at least in my opinion, are very much the cause of it. And there's a lot of people that also agree with that idea, is that humans are the cause of a lot of this off-balance in nature. And that was kind of the theme of the Jurassic World franchise to begin with, not just the movies, but the books as well, was to talk about how humans are interfering too much and that nature is a very powerful force. And if you mess with it too much, things get out of whack and it will try course correcting. And you kind of see that in terms of like natural disasters and weather changes. That is the earth trying to say, hey, stop being an idiot or I will wipe you off the face of the planet. (laughs) And so it's interesting to have a whole franchise that's based off this. And of course, to kind of Get everyone's mind into it, they use dinosaurs because most, if not everyone, loves dinosaurs. And I speak for myself because the water bottle that I have here is definitely covered in dinosaur stickers. But they, because they were real and now they're extinct, they're fantastical in like the most realistic sense, if that makes any sense at all because they seem so familiar yet so alien to us they immediately grab our attention you put a dinosaur in a movie a lot of people are going to be like that's a dinosaur i know what that is and even if they don't know like the type of dinosaur or if it's super inaccurate that doesn't really matter it's that recognizable thing of something that once fit in the nature of the world It's almost like internal DNA type thing, like a very distant, instinctual type memory of just life in general being like, we remember when dinosaurs were around, when that was actually a thing. And so having that kind of device lets you bring in an audience and then introduce them to this big topic that, can be applied to the modern world. And I think that's why The Lost World is especially good at that because they deal with the repercussions very much. Because in the first one, it's very fantastical. It's meant to be like, ooh, this is a show for everybody. And so you don't really feel as tied to it. But The Lost World, they deal with the repercussions because especially near the end, they bring the t-rex to the mainland and it starts wreaking havoc okay now it's affecting humans so now the conversation of like preservation and conservation is like very important now that subject matter is a part of humans and it's affecting humans dinosaurs are breaking out and they're killing people and this is a direct result because humans brought them back it's very much parallels to the real world being like hey we caused these you know we caused glaciers and ice caps to start melting and now our coastlines are starting to get higher and higher and as a result weather and stuff like that is causing more like floods or more storms that aren't typically normal for us that's a direct correlation and that affects humans and that gets them tied in because now it's affecting you it's a it's not just affecting other people you can kind of disregard it when it's not about you when it starts affecting you specifically that's when the subject hits you and that's what these movies kind of do. They kind of show the progression of those kind of issues. And I think using dinosaurs for, like, as a metaphor for it is a very interesting way to do it. And I think that's why I love the franchise so much. And so we're going to get into our question of the week. Sadly, Cormac's not here to answer, but I want to hear your answer to this question of the week. Let us know on spotify youtube instagram wherever you're listening i just want to know what is your favorite dinosaur i know it's kind of a crazy question it's kind of hard to pick a dinosaur if you're really into them because they're so awesome and there's so many good choices i personally can't really pick because i have like three but i do want to know what is your favorite dinosaur mine like i said i have three And I have three for several different reasons. One, the Carnotaurus, which stands for the meat-eating bull, which is from Brazil, I believe is where they were discovered. If you've ever seen Disney's dinosaur from the year 2000, the main, like, they call it the evil dinosaur. It's the Carnotaurus is what they are. In the movie, that's what they call them. But it's a Carnotaurus. They're very, those ones are very bulky, but that's the, the movie is the reason why I love them so much because that was one of my classics growing up. It was released the year I was born. I loved dinosaurs from an early age and I never really grew out of that phase. And so that kind of stuck with me through that movie. Number two, the Utah Raptor. One, because raptors are cool. Second, The Utah Raptor from Utah, from where I am. That's crazy. And three, it was the biggest Raptor there was, which is kind of nuts. It was the size of actual people. In Jurassic Park, the Raptors that are like kind of exaggerated on their... Told to be velociraptors, but they're actually based off of another dinosaur very similar to the Utah raptor called the Deinonychus, which I believe is from Wyoming. But while Jurassic Park was being made, the Utah raptor was discovered. And so it was kind of funny that, like, one of their consultants, uh, I don't remember exactly who, they had shown him, like, a prop of the raptor claw in the movie. And then they were like, oh, cool. I got a real one. And they're like, what? And they showed them a Utah Raptors killing claw that was like six inches, six, seven. I can't remember exactly, but it's massive in its length. And it looked just like the movie. And they were like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But obviously it was too far into the movie that they could really change things. And so that also made it like more closer to the book as well. And so, yeah, so I really like the Utah raptors. It was really cool. And then third one, it's called the Allosaurus. It's another one from Utah. It's actually considered Utah's state fossil because they found more here than anywhere else. And what does that mean? I believe it means crested lizard. Crested lizard? Different lizard. That's what it is. So the Allosaurus has two crests right above its eyes. It is very often mistaken in like popular media for a t-rex but it was in the jurassic area area jurassic era so it was way earlier than the t-rex but fairly comparable to like uh like a middle age not middle age like teenage t-rex size like it didn't get as big as t-rex but it was still a massive predator. And for the time, it was the apex predator. There were predators that were bigger, but they couldn't really compete with that dinosaur's hold because there were so many Allosaurus. They definitely were the apex predators. And yeah, I liked all of those three. I really want... So on this bottle for any visual viewers. These are all dinosaur skulls that have like floral arrangements around them. I really want on my left arm, like a half sleeve of a floral arrangement with those three dinosaurs skulls. Cause I think that would just be so cool. But yeah. Anyways, that was our question of the week. I want to know what is your favorite dinosaur? And until next time, this is easily entertained. Thank you for one... year. You have been entertained.